Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You already know you're going to eat some of those McDonald's golden fries on the drive home. So, you may as well add an extra order just for that. It's the Autosport Podcast. We review the inaugural W Series race and ask if the all-female category is a good or a bad thing for motorsport. Saturday at Hockenheim was, as we were repeatedly told, an historic moment. The first race of W Series, the new single-seater championship populated entirely by female drivers. There's been a huge amount of interest in this series since it was announced last year, so we're asking whether it's lived up to expectations both on and off track. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me first and making her Autosport podcast debut is Lucy Mawson, Autosport's W Series correspondent. And why do you not actually join Autosport for another month or so as, as a staffer? You will be shortly. Uh, regular readers will be very familiar with the name. And you were at Hockenheim last weekend, so to how was it? It was very wet and it was very cold. Um, and it was quite, That's Germany. Yeah, <laughs> it was quite treacherous conditions for um, the first ever W Series race it, it was going to make it quite interesting and I think we knew um, from sort of Wednesday from the forecast that it was uh, going to be quite interesting conditions uh, but it was yeah it was really great to be there um, and yeah uh, you've said that um, the historic moment was spoken about quite a lot um, and that was certainly the case in the paddock and it was quite a buzz everywhere. Obviously, they'd bought in WHQ, which was this all glass, uh, very, very fancy um, hospitality unit, which felt very F1 in the corner of the DTM paddock. And that was uh, the focal point of all the activity um, at the weekend at Hockenheim. And that's where all the drivers were hanging out and all the press um, and the media. So, yeah, very exciting weekend from start to finish. So I'm sure you were stocked with your beverage of choice. 
beverage of choice and also personalized M&Ms, which were great. And I was supposed to bring some of those back, but they'd run out by Sunday. What's so personalized m and They were W Series branded M&Ms, which is ah, very exciting. Um, I did promise some, but alas, I yeah, they'd run out by... Um, so if they're listening, if we could get some for Zolder and then we could, uh, yeah, I'll bring them in after Zolder. <laughs> At this point, do, do remember next time you're on a podcast to bring M&Ms. That's oh, a good, that's I will a good do, move. I promise. I'm so sorry. I feel I've made a mistake immediately <laughs> well, well, <laughs> on my podcast debut. There's time to recover when you've made an <laughs> earlier error. Also joining me is Matt Beer, making one of his all-too-rare podcast appearances, but this is your first appearance since taking over as Autosport.com editor. So how's your new empire going? It is, yeah. It's uh, my first appearance um, since being given the keys to the place after many years as Glenn Freeman's sidekick, but with him heading off to run show business now, um, my ability to make really brightly coloured spreadsheets was seen as an asset. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm now editor.com. Yeah, some of the, the colours in spreadsheets do uh, are quite spectacular. I don't understand the rotor spreadsheet. Itself, they need to be it. pastel. They will become pastel. pastel. When I, um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've put that demand in for if I do start full time. Excellent. That sounds like an improvement already. So we'll, see, we'll see how long you... Much uh, less offensive colouring on the spreadsheets will be, yeah, ahead. So. I can see you're under pressure as editor immediately now, Matt. This is a, it's going to be, you're going to have to raise your game, I think. I'm aware of that. <laughs> well, let's actually look at uh, the first W Series event. Now, Lucy, it wasn't a surprise to anyone that Jamie Chadwick won, won from pole position, won their British GT class title in 2015, a BRDC British F3 race winner, so had a had a good CV and was was the obvious favourite, although it wasn't entirely straightforward. No, it wasn't straightforward, but like you say, Jamie, um, I think right from the beginning she put her support behind the series and said that she wanted to enter it. Jamie's actually won a championship this year already because she won the MRF championship um, in India. So she's already um, a title winner in 2019. Uh, and I think from, she went through the first stage of selection, which was held in Melk in Austria in January. She went through that quite easily and then she made it to Almeria um, in March and she was announced as going through there. And I don't think anybody was surprised by that. She's comfortably the most experienced and certainly in terms of recent experience, she has... Um, probably the best CV for that on the grid um, so I think going into the weekend it would have been very very difficult to bet against Chadwick um, and certainly when she set pole on Saturday um, it was in the very very wet and slippery conditions and it, it looked like she was well, she was almost two seconds ahead of the rest of the field which I think some people could say was dominance but if you look at the um, practice sessions there were only two seconds covering the whole field in FP1 and FP2 as well so it wasn't plain sailing uh, and then in the race she did initially lose the lead of course um, she lost that to Sarah Moore and she was helped by the safety car period, which was triggered after the accident between Emma Kimmelainen and Megan Gilks. Um, she regained the lead, but um, in the press conference following the race, she did say um, that she'd suffered with a small gearbox issue, um, which had affected her and second place Alice Powell as well. So there was a little bit of work to do, I think. And she did say that she wasn't disappointed, but that she felt it hadn't been as clean a weekend as she'd hoped, um, which, of course, it was. I mean, she won. So, yeah. I guess at least it created a bit more story to the race, didn't it, in terms of yeah, absolutely. going it, wide at the, at the hairpin on the first lap. And exactly, and Alice Powell really pressured her throughout the entire race. It wasn't as though she she had a small and very steady lead and there was a comfortable, oh, well, I wouldn't, yeah, a comfortable gap as she crossed the line, but it wasn't um, anything like, say, the Mercedes dominance that we see in um, F1 or, or anything like that. So there was still, there's still definitely room and going into Zolder. It was very exciting to see what happens there. We should say, Matt. Obviously, you were watching from from home. I mean, it, it was it wasn't a particularly spectacular race. It was a perfectly decent race. I'd, I'd kind of say it was a normal kind of F three type race, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it could have been 
any championship at that sort of level. And I think that's a victory in itself, really. Um, in some ways, the worst things that could have happened would be, for one thing, Chadwick to completely dominate and look look a class above um, to the extension and qualifying right through the weekend. That would have maybe lessened expectations the rest of the championship um, raised question marks over the depth of the rest of the field but actually she was pushed pretty hard in the early stages of the race um the other thing that would have been would have been bad for the series would have been if it had been a very chaotic race i think some of the people waiting to jump on it for basically sexist reasons would have had some ammunition then but there was you know there were only two retirements um which is a lot less than you often get in a junior single seater race there weren't that many crazy incidents so yeah, I, I was kind of I was sat there ready primed with my kind of mental list of things male F three drivers have done badly in reserve in case like someone stalled on the grid and there was a massive accident or someone spun at the first corner. And actually, it was it was a, a pretty entertaining but pretty standard in in a good way F three level race, which is kind of what you'd expect, isn't it? I mean, that, that's probably good for the series, isn't it? To have a a sort of sensible race to start with, as it has stopped the detractors from attacking it. I've seen many, 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 many more mad single-seater races. In the, yeah, absolutely. In I think it was really important that they had that very clean, um, not straightforward because, of course, it wasn't, but that very clean um, and simple first race of the season. And I think that will have that will have stopped a lot of naysayers, perhaps in their in their tracks. But yeah, it was essentially just a junior single-seater race, um, and it's important to recognise that for what it is. Like it might be a championship that happens to be all women but at the end it's also a startup it's brand new um, and with the accident I think it's worth talking um, about I spoke to Megan Gilks after that and she was um, so frustrated and what well, I imagine mortified that she'd made that mistake she has very little single seater experience in the wet um, and she held her hands up and she took full responsibility for that accident and just said that it was literally because I was on the the damp side of the track and I, I lost control of the car and like Matt said how many other single seater drivers have done that at any level um so certainly there's no reason to jump on that as a crazy accident or reason why a woman can't drive or, or for any of those sexist reasons that have been banded about yeah i've certainly seen plenty of those sort of harpooning incidents uh, <laughs> over the years in, in in that kind of corner but it is it is interesting isn't it that because it's such a short calendar so only six races all they're all single headers aren't they so yeah just, they're all just half a dozen races I mean, someone like Emma Kimmelainen, who has a reasonable amount of experience and was one of the uh, one of the more tip drivers, I guess, going in. Although she was she was down the grid, in the end, that kind of shoots down the the championship chances, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, I think Emma had had a few technical issues over the the course of the weekend. In one of the free practice sessions, she said that she could smell fuel in the car, so she spent a lot of that confined to the pit lane. And then in qualifying, her run was impeded by traffic, so that left her a little bit further down the grid. And then at the beginning of the race, she also stalled the car, which they were looking into. Um, so yeah, she was left behind a little bit, but I think she had designs on the championship, and rightly so. She has a very impressive CV, and she's been a very racing driver for a very long time and is one of the older drivers on the grid um, and she was frustrated after the accident on Saturday because there is only six races and Chadwick has those 25 points and she had a DNF uh, Kimmelainen had a DNF and doesn't have any now so it does make the championship that much harder um, so uh, yeah I think she was understandably frustrated by that but I guess in its first year you know there'll probably be more rounds next year and things will get busier and of course it's replaced formula european masters on the timetable which was still running when w series was announced so i'm assuming that's also one of the reasons that it's such a short timetable and time frame in which it's taking place and i imagine probably as well it's good for the finance of the series as well since it's all <laughs> exactly centrally run etc so you know every every mile you run a racing car for it 
it costs money, doesn't it? Exactly, it does. Um, and as we've spoken about, um, it's all expenses paid in W Series. So all of the cars are paid for, all of the um, drivers' travel and accommodation and expenses are all paid for. Um, and everybody on the grid will get a slice of the $1.5 million prize money, whether you're first or whether you're 18th um, and even the reserve drivers will get some of that money as well um so it will aim and that's what it's trying to do in terms of funding the careers of of people uh, and drivers moving forward so it's an all-new championship model as well not just that it's um not just that it's the first all-female race series to run but the way that it's actually running as a junior single-seater championship um that's quite novel and quite unique too although there have been because it's the first kind of international Female, female championship isn't there but we've had yeah. there have been things like Formula Woman that ran in the UK in the past which wasn't that successful really so it's uh, but it, it's the first one to really get traction I guess is the important thing and to yeah. have that importance as a as a kind of beacon for, for female participation. Yeah, absolutely um, and I think that importance has been emphatically proven in terms of the fact that it is um broadcast on channel four on a saturday afternoon that's a slot that would have been f1 qualifying potentially last year um and i think that that obviously does draw the attention to it and that draws the attention of casual watchers um, and casual fans and maybe just people who've got the television on on saturday afternoon and to see a woman um winning um, a race car I think that's really important in terms of their message of inspiring the next generation um, but also I think there's maybe a double-edged sword there because no other junior single-seater championship would be broadcast on channel four at that prime time slot and so I think yeah it's really good but also it means that it yeah it does have to try that much harder to prove people wrong whereas it would that wouldn't have been a problem that it faced otherwise and we should say Matt in terms of the field we talked about Jamie Chadwick but it has got some familiar names up at the top of it which I think is quite probably quite important for the championship isn't it people like Alice Powell finished second people remember her from from GP3 Bikes Covissa who finished fourth did Formula Renault 3.5 Sarah Moore Marta Garcia finished third a less a not not really a name I knew before W Series yeah, it's a bit of a, I think that's a little bit of a mixed blessing because rightly or wrongly, the perception of some of the drivers in the field who have got GP3 heritage, for instance, they didn't have it. Some of them didn't have a great time in GP3. They weren't rated that highly then. So if they'd come in and been winning straight away in W series, I don't think that would have really done the series a favor. It it can, the the selection process those women went through to get on the grid sounded extremely comprehensive and everyone is in there on merit so i wouldn't i'm not questioning that at all but i do think if some of the people whose reputations weren't so great coming into this year had had done exceptionally well or chadwick level dominated i think that could have been bad for the overall perception of the quality but the fact that um gracia came through to third um her history is quite interesting having been a renault protege before and then that falling through um Koyama coming through from 17th on the grid to 7th with some really impressive racecraft. I quite like um, I quite like how we're going to get familiar with some some new names this year. I think that's going to be the one of the series' most important impacts is bringing some new talents to to people's attention. And it's good to have people who um, fans do remember from GP3 in there as benchmarks. But it's the kind of the the, the feisty new teenage teenage unknowns and people with completely different backgrounds who've taken all sorts of routes to get onto this grid um those are going to be the interesting stories and the, and the, perhaps the more interesting characters as as the year goes on and for the most part Lucy I guess it was good that although as you said qualifying was the, the spread was extended because in the way it always is in any championship you normally see that but in the race we saw it was it was fairly fairly tightly packed the midfield pack was very competitive the the leaders weren't miles miles out in front so it, it shows the competitive spread is, is about 
about normal, isn't it? Yeah, and of course, everybody's driving the same car, which I think helps that. So W Series are very... Um, they put a lot of emphasis on the fact that this is about finding the fastest driver. So all of the cars are run by high tech. Um, it's all the same team. It's essentially just one team of 18 drivers. All of them share data with one another. And for the next round in Zolder, everybody will swap cars. Um, so Chadwick will not drive the same car that she won in. Um, so I think that really helps in keeping the field that tightly packed and kind of, yeah, will make sure that whoever wins is the the fastest driver of that field. But certainly on Saturday, um, there were, battles going up and down the grid um it was a great battle for fourth place between fabian volvend bites and sarah moore um that went on um as did you know the changing positions towards the the rear end of the top 10 too i love the uh, rotating cars idea and there's quite a few things that w series is doing that aren't anything to do with gender but are just a really interesting and an open way of, of running a championship yeah absolutely i mean you speak to the you speak to the drivers on um friday after the practice sessions and they're all sat there going over jamie chadwick's data in a lot of detail because it's so open and all of them can look at what everybody else is doing um which chadwick admitted she was annoyed about on friday because of course <laughs> she got that advantage but in the future anybody can see what anybody's doing and it is it is very open um with everything that they do and they rotate engineers as well don't they yes they do so the engineers remain with the car um so you'll just basically move to a new sort of car and you'll get a new set of um engineers and mechanics which must be quite difficult because on a short calendar you've not got that much time to create those relationships and you know you really have to it's uh, quite intense to have to create that close relationship with your mechanic and your engineer over the course of a two-day weekend essentially and then swap for the next round so that must be quite difficult but certainly makes it very interesting that's interesting initially that idea of swapping engineers bothered me a little bit i thought that's is that necessarily testing the right skills but actually if you've got to for your race and career the better relationship you can form an engineer the, the better feedback you can give the better and if you've got to create that relationship six different times yeah. and do it brilliantly and get the right rapport each time actually that's qualifying you really well for a future professional career so i ended up really liking that idea as well is i mean ed you probably like me ended up around formula palmer audi a little bit in our in our earlier careers and i can always remember even though that was a, a similar idea for a centrally run championship you'd always get the drivers who just finished like 20th in, in palmer audi the following year saying no well i had the rubbish chassis and, yeah you always got the bad engine and that. yeah any, any centrally run championships had that problem formula palmer audi had it i remember when uh we had the one make Seat Championship in the UK, the, the Tin Top Series. There was always problems about, oh, I've got the bad engine or the bad car or whatever. So swapping them around should hopefully prevent that element of it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, you know, the drivers that don't fare well in W Series really probably won't have many excuses for it. Um, yeah, natural misfortune or whatever, but really, actually, it's, it's as level a playing field as I can imagine. Unfortunately, they've avoided smashing up too many cars, which which is positive because sometimes you do get chassis that get a little bit tired or lose a little bit of stiffness in place around pickup points and that kind of thing. Sometimes, sometimes there is something to the, the kind of bad car argument. Should we say? I'm sure one day they'll, if they keep using the same monocoques, there'll be a few ones that are, they're not ideal. That's just the, the nature the nature of things. But yeah, uh, one thing I did find a bit irritating though is that all the cars, well, not all the cars are the same, but there are only a small selection of different color schemes yeah yeah which seemed a little bit well, is, there, is there a particular reason for that because they didn't seem to have 
different sponsors for the cut, different colours or anything, did they? So no, so it is. It's just that they got that sort of colour palette, um, and I, for as far as I can tell, you just allocated that colour car. The colours will remain with the drivers, if that makes sense. Um, so they'll swap cars, but the the colours will actually remain with the drivers. But they were talking about that on Sunday morning. Um, I know that there was some feedback on social media that it was quite difficult to see who was who. Um, so I think they'll look into making that making the flags bigger maybe on the rear wings and they'd made the numbers bigger for this weekend they could push the numbers down the nose a bit as well because they're yeah they're kind of further towards the flatter part aren't they rather than yeah than on the actual down. so i think i think that's something that they they'd recognized in the feedback from the weekend and they're going to look at changing um but it's nothing to do with sponsors i think it's just a general color palette that they'd um that they'd chosen even that it does show that their whole emphasis on the visual identity um is really the attention to detail is very impressive um, things obviously it goes right down to the choice of M&Ms but um, <laughs> all the colours of the of the cars did fit colours you were seeing elsewhere in the in the promotion of it and that sort of thing it fitted it fitted a kind of it's an excellent piece of interior design spread across a oh, racetrack basically amazing yeah the um I can't fault the the style and the kind of design of anything from yeah from the M&Ms to the cars to absolutely everything it was it all looked incredibly professional um and that was a line that was repeated over and over and over again from anybody that you that you spoke to it it was um they've really they have put a lot of thought into this <laughs> um it's not it's it might be a startup but there's a lot of thought and effort gone into it by everybody and that's encouraging that it's hit the ground running, looking professional with proper racing. The cars ran ran sensibly because obviously when they announced it, they were still getting money in to, to run it and just setting aside the, the sort of mission statement element, if you like, you know, getting a championship started, getting 18 cars on the grid, running properly, a championship that looks professional in a, in a paddock. Obviously, it's alongside DTM, so that's a professional-looking paddock. So, you know, you, you need to be, to be good and to be well-prepared and to have the right kit to actually sort of stand up alongside that so just from a creating a championship perspective that's I guess mission accomplished isn't it yeah it certainly didn't look out of place in that paddock um I think it's only because you you knew that it was the first time that it had run but in terms of the way that it looked and the way that it ran and operated um it didn't look out of place in a professional paddock at all um so but yeah fair play to that and it has hit the ground running on that front I would say when talking about presentation, Matt, what are you watching on, on television? What did you make of the the broadcast? A the broadcast and B the way the series is being pushed and communicated and and promoted to to the viewership. I think this is one of the areas where there were some rough edges to iron out. There were some basic things like sound quality problems, um, which is uh, weird because it's whisper. Well, exactly. You know, yeah. what, you know they well, they know what they're doing. When the TV package was announced and all the familiar faces involved in the production company behind it, none of which was a huge surprise, given that David Coulthard is a major backer and and founder um, founder member of the W Series organization. Um, but yeah, when that TV package was announced, it seemed like crikey, this is like Lucy said, coming in exactly where Channel 4's F1 coverage has left off and to have things like the audio not being quite right and mic still being open and that sort of thing. There were, it was surprisingly scrappy, maybe a bit harsh, but it wasn't as, it wasn't as slick as I'd expected. Um, and some of the commentary definitely overrates the historic moment side of things. I, I understand that they are, they're hoping to get this casual audience in. They are looking for a new and you, you know, probably largely female in a way audience that's not been watching motorsport before, and they want to, um, they want to hook with this championship. But the balance between kind of casual and expert info wasn't quite right. Some of the accuracy of what was being said wasn't wasn't fantastic, and and the the labouring the point of this being history being made, um, 
did get a little bit grating after a while. But again, it's the first how I, if you if you think back to like most commentary teams debuts their first race or two will probably sound really rough listening to listening back to it now so yeah that i wouldn't say that was a huge successful element particularly given the slot it had and the people behind it but they could get to zolder and actually iron out some rough edges and and be absolutely fine and it's difficult when you've got a new series as well unfamiliar cars and drivers and that kind of thing so it takes a, a little bit of time so i imagine that i imagine that will that will gel commentary wise well, i think as well uh, when you've got uh, when you've got 18 cars, which basically have three or four colour schemes between them? Five, I think. Five, okay. Yeah, I think there's five. I think it's blue, purple, yellow, black, yellow, purple, pink and white, and white and purple. Did I say white and purple? I'm not sure. No, okay. I can't count either. <laughs> so, um, I, initially thought, I... I initially thought you were just listing uh, individual colours for them. And then, <laughs> they're colours. Just like naming colours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, just naming colours. Now. I was disappointed um, at the lack of turquoise. I always think you've got to have a car on the grid or a few that looks like a Leighton house. Oh yeah, nice bit, there. Of, mm, nice a bit, bit of teal. I think would have been useful. But. Yeah. There's plenty of colours out there, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, um, there are 18 colours. There's there possibly even 18 pastel colours. I mean, if they're all pastel colours, that would be very exciting. Um, yeah. Get them, get them redrawn. Don't you want any fluorescent? No, just all it needs to be a lovely muted pastel. Very elegant. Um, yeah, maybe next, I don't know, maybe next season. But <laughs> I guess we'll talking about the, because we're going to get onto the overall impact of the series, of this, of this new series in a minute. But just in terms of the way they pushed the series, talking about the kind of historic, I mean, they did over-egg the, that element of it, but they kind of had to, didn't they? Because that's what they'll have sold it to sponsors on, to backers. So you kind of have to really push it as something, uh, as something like this to do it. So I guess they're kind of prisoners of their own concept there. Then it, yeah, you, you just I have to so. sort of say, well, okay, we'll we'll tolerate that because we know why you're doing that. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that is the case. And I mean, yes, it was overagged and it was repeated quite a lot, but it, it is. And maybe we didn't need telling twenty times in the broadcast. But yeah, I think that it is, and I do think it's important to attract that that sort of casual audience. And I I don't know whether that's maybe what they're aiming for more than um, more than the specific audience, you know, of the experts or whatever. And Catherine Bonwear, of course, she. Um, is the CEO and she openly admits she knows nothing <laughs> about motorsport. She just had this idea and she went to people who, who did and she was put in touch with David Coulthard. And so there are, there are elements of it, I think, where it is more designed for that casual audience and to, to spark that kind of interest. And I think, I think that's really important because, you know, I spoke when W Series was announced, I was a little bit on the fence and not really sure about it, but I think, um, when I spoke to like I don't know my parents who I spent my childhood hating every Sunday that I had to sit and watch F1 and watch Michael Schumacher I loathed that when I was like eight years old but if I'd have seen maybe a woman on a Saturday afternoon winning and in that car then maybe I would have you know I'd have wanted to be more involved um uh you know and and gone down that route I wouldn't have got very far but um, <laughs> yeah maybe maybe that would have been something and I think that's really important because yeah to attract that new audience and to attract that I think it's important to recognize that potentially nobody on the current W series grid will make it to if the goal is to be an female F1 driver which of course there are other series that are just as prolific um that it's important to get to but if that's the main goal then I I don't know whether anybody on the current grid will get there but I think it's really important that they have the opportunity to inspire somebody else that might be the person that can go and make that change well, that's the thing isn't it it's not in itself a 
a way to manufacture an F1 driver straight away. I mean, lots of drivers try to make F1. Very few ever make it. Even some of those who've, who've got the ability don't have the backing and plenty with backing you don't actually have the the necessary uh, ability to do especially with a super license but it's it's difficult because when w series was announced i was sort of broadly against it because i I don't feel there's a need for segregation in racing and that kind of thing however when i look at the reaction to it you can see the benefit it's having in terms of just outreach and just pushing female participation out there remember when we did a few years ago we did the women in motorsport autosport special magazine when i was editor it was kind of clear that the that the main thing is motorsport being projected to those outside of it as a viable yeah exactly. as a viable option whether it's as a driver or whatever yeah so exactly that, so that yeah people who might like to get involved are not uh, you know they see it as something they can get involved in and then say parents of the younger girls don't just say well you can't get involved in that because it's a it's a male dominated thing so as an exercise and outreach kind of an interim sort of pragmatic measure it actually seems to be quite positive i wouldn't like to see this leading to the sort of regular segregation there's no need for it but if it if it creates a a kind of pathway and uh and a kind of a beacon for this then that could have a long-term benefit i guess yeah, I think I think that is the case. And it is a question of numbers and probability, I think. So you, there are 20 F1 drivers on the grid. Um, so just to simplify it massively, um, if they're the 20 best in the world, um, and if they've been selected from a pool of 100 who have been karting, if in that pool of 100, there are 80 male drivers and 20 female drivers, just probability dictates that the 20 that go through will all be male drivers. Um, and I think that's the point that needs to change more than anything else. And I think that's what W Series is just trying to do for that next generation to enable that change to happen. Because of course, um, women can compete against men and there's nothing stopping them. And um, Desiree Wilson was in the paddock at the weekend and I spoke to her and she's really thrown her support behind it um and she obviously competed with men in her career um but i think it's just about changing it because of course they can but they've been able to for 40 years and 40 years ago desiree wilson was there and we're still having that conversation now so obviously something needs to happen um to enable some kind of yeah change to come through um and to change the face or to get those women into the top levels of motorsport what do you make of it now, obviously, we've seen kind of obviously you look at social media reactions and that kind of thing. You see some people who are quite down on it. Some people have seen a lot of positivity about it as well, and a lot of encouragement. I guess the argument is: is there a danger that it backfires and it does have that 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 effect of people thinking there is a segregated element to it that goes on? Or do you think overall that for a few years this is actually a very encouraging, beneficial thing? I, I think initially, when it was when it was just at the rumor stage that this was going to happen and the organizers hadn't had a chance to explain their ethos or anything yet the idea of a segregated series i wasn't a huge fan of that i think any time that's been suggested before it's not been great um but once they had chance to actually promote how they were going to do it and to emphasize so much that it's not about saying women you can't race with men it's saying we want to give more opportunity to for women to race with men by funding this stage of their careers by giving them a platform which actually Doing something this radical and making a women-only series is a way to get more media interest and more exposure than if they'd done it any other way, I think. Um, it's all about, it really is all about making their careers further up the ladder, more viable and more sustainable and better equipped and better prepared. And actually, that's great, really. There's one of my, um, I hate the idea that anybody should be 
told should be made to think they can't do something for a reason that is not actually an obstacle whether that's gender race sexuality whatever it's like if someone if um it's right it'd be absolutely fine for you to say to me matt you can't fly and i'd be like fundamentally ed you're absolutely right i have no wings I, I definitely cannot fly. But if you were to say to me, Matt, you cannot be a racing driver because you're a little bit twee, um, that sh- you know that is not an obstacle. That is not a physical obstacle. As as it is, the fact I'm not very good at driving is my obstacle to being a racing driver. But the fact I'm a little bit twee is not. And um, I used to, I still do, run our academy scheme for for training journalists. And I've loved the fact that in classes this year particularly, the split is getting more 50-50 across the genders and when we started that it was much more i think we were like 10 percent female early on with the and that wasn't through us not picking women to be involved in it that was the applications that were coming and lucy came through that scheme and at the time there were what maybe five of us yeah i think it was five yeah. back then wasn't it four years ago yeah yeah <laughs> um and so many of the women who were coming through the academy process and who I talked to when we were doing things in the academy with Dare to be Different were reporting that um, family, friends, schoolmates, that sort of thing were going, why are you interested in motorsport? You're a girl. And when that's being drummed into you right from the outset, of course, you're, you're unlikely to go karting. You're unlikely to want to be in this industry at all. And so that is making those percentages so low. Um, and like Lucy said, if the percentage of drivers coming into the bottom is dominated by one gender, that tiny fraction of those at the grassroots level who are going to get to the very top, the, the ch- percentage chance of, of them all being male is so much greater. Um, and one of the other criticisms that was leveled at W Series when it was first announced, even people who were slightly pro it were saying, this should be done much more grassroots. Why is this not a karting championship? And I had some sympathy for that. But actually, but how have, do you make that work commercially? This is it. Having seen it come together, this is the right. You couldn't. You could not get that F one slot on Channel Four for a karting championship. This is actually pitched at about the right level, where it's not quite a starter series, but it's low down the ladder enough that people with varying experience levels can get something out of it. Um, and I, I really hope that there are there were young girls watching the TV coverage on Saturday, seeing the three women on the podium, and and not feeling as excluded from that possibility in their own lives as they would have done seeing all male F1 podiums. And if that makes them more keen to, you know, do sim racing, get out karting, or to at least feel more at home in that environment so that in 20 years' time... I think I think Catherine Bonmuir said to, said to you at ASI, if, this, if we still exist in 20 years or something... Then like we, we failed, yeah. yeah. Um, this something radical needed trying because I'm actually... I'm bored of motorsport being male, white, ostensibly heterosexual, just one type of person, not to the extent, extent it used to be. There is progress being made, but variety's good, and there's no... Well, the more people you get involved, the better. I mean, I'm interested to get, because obviously, Lucy, you've got a different perspective to myself and Matt, because you have been a young girl yeah. interested in motorsport uh, mm. when, when you were a child growing up, yeah. so... What's the kind of reality being like? Did you encounter that kind of, just that sort of underlying, because it's not kind of a, it's one of these things that's not necessarily avert, is it? But just this, no, yeah. this sort of, why do you like motorsport? That's a that's a male thing, etc. Yeah. What's, what's it actually like to be on the, to be in that 
in that world? I think it's just kind of a lot of, I don't know if it's like accidental sexism kind of that happens, but certainly when I was growing up, it was a real, it was just bizarre friends and or not, not friends but people I was at school with just couldn't wrap their heads around it they just didn't understand why I was interested in it which is you know everybody's interested in different things and that's fine um but that was it was a real sticking point like it was just bizarre that Lucy of all people would be interested in that and of course I'm I'm not particularly sporting um like I love motorsport of course but there are also a variety of other you know um things but yeah so I think that was really bizarre and when I said to I remember being in sixth form and talking to a careers advisor and I said that I wanted to work as a motorsport journalist or just in motorsport sort of generally and she was like oh yeah yeah but um it's just just a fad I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll do something else which was like no actually um no I, I really would quite like to do this and of, of course I joined the academy and I came on work experience four years ago and it kind of went from there but even now I can say to um strangers I've never felt kind of sexism within the industry itself I think um certainly when I came on work experience that first time something that I was very 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 nervous about and aware of was that I was a a young girl coming through and there can't have been that many before me and there wouldn't have been that many doing this so I I always remember being very nervous about that but actually I got here and it, it hasn't made a difference I haven't been treated differently um I don't think within the industry but certainly even outside now um I was on the plane or on the bus from the airport on Sunday night and just talking to somebody and said what I've been doing it was like oh that's that's a surprise that's really surprising which you know maybe that's just because I was yeah I'm sat and I do what I do and I'm very into clothes and and lipstick and all of those other things which is fine you can be into all of that as well um so yeah I think there's I think there's still a stigma around it certainly it's interesting isn't it and you're talking about the the academy obviously you're part of the academy program the increased participation Do, do we think that reflects a wider change in the perception of motorsport or is it an academy specific thing that you get a few trailblazers through and then people say oh well actually you know Lucy's done really well through it suddenly it kind of makes it realize it makes people realize that that it's a viable option and they get discouraged because that seems to be the mechanism at work here doesn't it the Mm. this kind of tacit discouragement yeah it's really discouraging discouraging sorry when you when you experience that it's really horrible sometimes it's just like um why (laughs) why do I have to um there was a, a moment, um, yeah, the other day where I was in a, a bar and somebody asked and they were like, oh, well, we'll prove it. Like, tell me who's on pole tomorrow for Baku. I don't have to do that. Of course I know. Um, so, and if you yeah, didn't, it wouldn't prove it anything, wouldn't prove anything either. So, yeah, it was, um, I listed the whole grid, but um, yeah. <laughs> um, How did you fit going to a pub into that weekend? You were working all of it. Come on. I mean, <laughs> this is not surprising that I've managed to do this, is it? Yeah, but but is it interesting to get that that perspective? Because it obviously one of the things that particularly sort of socially people are starting to become a bit more aware of this of different perspectives and that kind of thing. And it it becomes very, I think it's important because it's very easy for people who haven't been on the receiving end of that because it's not like an overt aggressive thing, is it? It's not a mm. it's not a don't don't yeah get away from motorsport kind of yeah, thing. It's, it's just a sort of oh what are you doing that for? Yeah, Which exactly. Is a different, it's a different kind of force isn't it that yeah it isn't so overt but it's, it's quite insidious I think if it's overt and it's uh, it's an aggressive kind of don't do this then that makes people and certainly 
people like me more likely to go and do that just to prove people wrong but if it's a constant kind of just like a slow discouragement and kind of an eye rolling or a sighing or a oh well why are you doing that that doesn't that doesn't matter I think that is worse and that's kind of just the accept it it shouldn't be accepted that it's okay to say that because of course you can do whatever you want to do um and I think if we've gone a little bit off piece but if W series helps other people not have that it helps banish that kind of discouraging narrative around motorsport then I think it will have succeeded and certainly I I think that I'm very lucky to have be at this point in my you know at the start of my career and this is like W Series has coincided with it I'm very um, I'm very happy that it has and I think that that's it's been a really welcome way in for me to go and I've done a lot of um, I've done Toka Paddocks and I've done national stuff um in the UK before and I was nervous going into the weekend of course but there was an element of it where I did feel potentially more comfortable just because it was in that opening sort of that open environment that's out there to to change things and change the narrative around motorsport and the way that it's experienced for for women no that's what that's what it has to be doesn't it and just from a completely unscientific just following on social media seeing people being enthusiastic about it which which has to be positive but that uh, how do you how do we think we should sort of contextualize this as part because this is part of a wider thing in the world it's not just motorsport is it you know these sort of things are being talked about and people are more aware of these sorts of things so you know is is w series the kind of catalyst for accelerating that process in in motorsport do we think because obviously i guess the the key participation metric is say karting licenses in the uk should we say for, for female versus male i remember when we did that women in motorsport issue we got the numbers from the msa i was actually surprised by how low the female participation in yeah. karting was because the, the sort of thing that people always said is actually there's loads of there's loads of girls in karting but for some reason a lot of them don't get into single seaters and then you looked at it and you thought well actually i'm going off the top of my head but the, the numbers were like less than 10 percent like seven i think it was down towards five wasn't five percent yeah I'm certainly under 10 percent i'm going yeah. from i should i should have looked it up but it was it was surprisingly low so i guess the question is whether something like w series will mean there'll be more females who then go to start karting and then suddenly that goes up in the uk just using uk numbers because that's what we had if that goes up to 10 20 because it doesn't necessarily need to be 50 50 fundamentally that's not the aspiration it's a quality of opportunity yeah i think rather than rather than exact balance numbers it could be 50 50 it could be 80 percent female 20 percent male if you want to go any way you want probably the goal is that it gets to a point where the numbers are so obviously roughly the same you don't even think about it and you, and you get to a point where grids are just there's a mix and that and that's how it is and some championships might have 20% male and 80% female and others might be the other way around and you, you get you become blind to it and i think you, using that comparison with our with our academy scheme um i think that's when i realized when taking one of the classes a few weeks ago and i'd broken them down into little newsroom groups and i was like oh actually every single newsroom this week is 50-50 gender wise almost exactly and i think that's the first time we got to that point but the the application rate is much more, not quite even, but an awful lot closer to it by a huge percentage improvement now than it was four years ago. And if something like, if the combination of W Series and a generally wider societal awareness that equal opportunity is actually just a fundamentally really good thing, um, if the combination of those two things mean that motorsport at its grassroots participation level is going the same way and um, whatever that figure for karting was, if it's if it was, say, 5 6 7% four years ago, if in four more years' time it's getting up towards 20%, even that's a, that's a triumph. We've got 
we've got decades of motorsport being presented as being for a certain type of human to to overcome and i think we should overcome that because i think there's no physio- physiological or emotional or anything else need for it it's just it's just wrong so w series and frankly the world becoming a fairer place overall on average um if those two things happening around the same time can hopefully be a force for good in in terms of participation numbers i really hope so i yeah i there shouldn't be barriers um there shouldn't be gender-based barriers it's just nonsense there's enough barriers with the budgets required and that well yeah exactly (laughs) because that's that's hard for everyone Uh, but it's i guess it's really hard to say how w series will fit in because we were sort of looking into the into the future there and we do you do see some some hostility towards it should we should we say um but it's 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 something does need that did need to happen like this i guess didn't it because we can sit there and say well it's it should be there's there aren't because there aren't i think like i said there aren't the barriers so much in it i haven't seen many because let's take formula one things whatever they're trying to get the best engineers they want so they won't that they don't really care where where, what people's background is i think there are uh, i think the, the fact that motorsport is quite certainly at the top level it's quite driven and meritocratic in terms of you know if you're a good engineer you're, you're a good engineer and there's there's so much competition if you're a formula one team you can't afford to not like the fact that someone's the the, the wrong and in inverted commas gender or from, they're from the wrong background or they don't talk the right way or whatever there's all these reasons that in perhaps more plentiful jobs should we say that those biases become become more but then if you get more in through something like w series then that's just increasing the pool it's just it would be an organic change i guess Uh, uh, well i don't think it can be i think maybe people have been hoping for too long that it will just be that organic change but realistically it's not going to be because that those numbers need to change the general female participation needs to change so if this if w series acts as a, a catalyst to make that change um of course it will be it will be on merit but there just has to be those numbers there to begin with to enable that to happen Hmm. that makes sense it's basically trying to engineer an organic change by dumping a massive amount of chemical fertilizer on it to start with yeah i think that's a that's a lovely analogy but um (laughs) yeah i think that's yeah in the hope that those plants then become stronger to do their own organic thing later yeah lovely that's um yeah that's quite a west country kind of like countryside analysis (laughs) that you've just (laughs) i I go past farms all the time i'm sure that's how they work I'm just looking, so I did ask on social media for any uh, any comments on it, and, and there's one from uh, at AngelM16 uh, on Twitter who says, the men in my life with the opinion it's a very positive step. I'm reserving judgment for now. I'd like to see it as a showcase for female racing talent, but I'm concerned it could be a dead end. I'd prefer to see more women supporting conventional racing series. Well, some of that we've kind of addressed, haven't we? I, I think almost the fates of the 18 drivers on the grid doesn't matter in a way, does it? Because the the objective, you know, they're they're sort of the trailblazers to be there as the the, the kind of the lightning rod, if you like, to to get the interest. And it W Series doesn't stand or fall on whether somebody makes it to F one or makes it as a professional sports car driver or something out of it. That that's not the that's not the metric, is it? No, I don't think so. And um, as far as saying it, it, it's a dead end, I think it, it would be on it would be unfortunate. I think there are some drivers that that it would be incredibly unfortunate for them if they're not as successful in w series um it's worth saying that you can compete in w series again there's no 
bar to competition. So if you even if you win this year, you can compete in it next year. So example, um, F2 has that, yeah. that thing, preventing returning exactly. champions. Um, but say Chadwick wins this year, she can come back next year and then win again and get double the prize money. And there's, there's no bar to that happening. That's completely fine. So yeah, some of the 18 drivers on the grid might just continue to be on the grid next year or for the year after that um i think somebody like chadwick whether w series was here this year or not she said that she'd have struggled to to race or compete but of course she's doing other things around w series so i think if she if w series wasn't here for her this year it wouldn't have made a difference she'd have continued on her career trajectory the way that it was going wherever that is or was going to take her so yeah i think you're right in saying that the the fate of the they're the face of it the 18 currently on the grid and what happens to them doesn't matter almost um because it is about what happens next and what it starts um i think it is how it should be measured i've got a mainly slight worry with that i i agree um if anyone judges w series on whether this lot get to f1 or not that's that's completely misguided this is this is a first step but my slight worry is we're talking a lot about how this will inspire generations further down if after two or three years W Series drivers are not really progressing beyond W Series in their careers and where they end up if they go to F2 or something and struggle, if that starts to put a message further down that actually, look, female drivers are struggling, this this isn't worthwhile, all the scepticism was right, that could have a, a nasty little drip-drip effect on people's morale further down. And it could, it could be they're struggling in other series because they've chosen the wrong team or for completely non-gender-based well, reasons. If you're going to go into another single-seater series, not only do you need huge sum of money you know if you want to do f2 it's a seven figure sum and then there are some teams that are very good to be in some teams that are less positive to to be in should we say you'd you'd hope whoever wins the title the the profile of the series should give them a reasonable platform to have at least a chance of of getting the back in but you're talking about those sorts of there's not those sorts of numbers you know you're trying to get a million plus to to yeah, if if you had to race too, if you talk, if you yeah, had the money so to much. to go further, you wouldn't be needing to race an all expenses paid series necessarily. Although you might do it for the profile boost, given how W set up and the the skills development you'll get with this um, equal environment and data sharing and engineer rotation and everything. So yeah, I I I'd, I'd hate for I'd hate for W W series to end up discouraging people because its drivers don't go on to do what it would hope. But I think we need to have quite a few years of W Series drivers not progressing to actually have that effect. Well, it's a gamble, isn't it? It could work or it couldn't, but you don't know that it is going to do either of those things until you've seen it happen, which is annoying. And that I think that feels like a cop-out kind of answer for me. Um, but yeah, so it was it was a gamble. They've taken it. It will work or it won't. But I think it needs to be given. The, and I think it deserves to be given the time to kind of, whether that's prove all the naysayers wrong or prove them all right. I think I think it deserves the time to develop and kind of, yeah get to that point and then in three years time if that's the case then we'll have another conversation I'm sure and um yeah I don't know well I don't know whether it would be more damaging I guess is the the concern there whether it would be whether it would be more damaging lower down or whether it would just reinforce damage that's I mean, already yeah, been done the fact it still exists as a platform to aspire to yeah which is, is still a positive thing but I, yeah I suppose I worry that if the drivers aren't progressing then it becomes an almost and then drivers further down go, okay, well, I won't go further because I'm a girl, but I can go and race in W Series. Then it, yeah, then it at which point that obviously become, yeah, it's that segregation. And I think that would be that would be a bad thing, definitely. Um, but I think there's people on the grid who have 
won in other series and been successful enough that shouldn't be the case there's there's yeah. some there's some there's some impressive cvs and there's some there's some major talents in there who whether they go further up the single seater ladder or they end up with manufacturer careers somewhere else um yeah, I hope hopefully that slight skeptical fear I've got about the longer term future is is completely wrong because I'd love it to be. And it kind of the thing is it reflects the way motorsport is because if you win an F three championship, it's not necessarily any guarantee you'll progress, is it? No, it's, no, not at all. It, it's just the nature of of, of the beast because the money involved. If you haven't got the backing from a Formula One team, and or I think that massively rich family, that kind of tokenism's also helped because it's not like if you win in W series you get a test drive with this team. There's no kind of which I think would be at risk of making that quite tokenistic and I like you say if you win it but you can't progress any further then that's how it would be that that was how it would be in most sport generally I think so just just having a look at some of the other feedback on on Twitter got Chris Bloom saying if the plan was to raise the profile of women in motorsport and it's achieved that now 18 female drivers I know about that I didn't know a week ago also it was pretty good race and professionally presented yeah I would agree with the uh, profession it wasn't you know for, for an f3 style race it was perf- perfectly uh perfectly decent so the profiles uh built up there steve bishop was saying liking the idea of rotating the cars but picks out the fact that it's hard to tell who's driving what because of what they look like yeah and then as we've just been talking he says hope talent can be picked up from there and used as a stepping stone uh, i've got gavat brick pack drivers saying still to make up my mind but if w series is about providing opportunity for women who have seen single seater careers stalled because of money my proposal racing series for races in the same situation for all races in the same situation so mentions jamie caroline dean stone and john lancaster people like that now i think they did sort of push that in the coverage the sort of running out of funding element, yeah. didn't they which yeah. i, I think didn't think was, i think i think that sort of almost suggested the running out of funding was female specific and while there's while it probably is a little bit harder for the average female racer to to get back in, it's just very difficult for for everyone isn't it but the the idea of w series isn't about providing opportunities for women who run out of money for women who run out of money is it it's about creating a it's, it's outreach isn't it? that's what we keep yeah. sort of coming back to it's just always that that outreach that that yeah, the the, fun, the financial bit. thing in the broadcast did seem a little bit over-egged. Um, <laughs> I did think that idea about there should be a series for people who have a lack of financial resources or something. I was thinking, how on earth do you make that happen? How, what is the criteria for that? And given the way motorsport is, how many people would like... Um, be cheating their background in some way and faking pictures of council house upbringings or something to get on well, the well, it's, it's always the way isn't it you get some drivers who've got lots of money you've got some drivers who make out they haven't got much money yeah. but they're actually okay yeah often and, and it, it it becomes difficult basically it's a sliding scale there's yeah, always someone worse off than you unless there isn't in which case you're G- in gen- a terrible <laughs> position but but you know it's, it, it's, it, it's it, this this reflects how motorsport in general certainly yeah. the junior categories are basically broken in terms of the the funding required is so excessive you know the days where you could you know we did a podcast recently talking about roland ratzenberger and he without family money was able to just just work normal jobs work for yep. racing school and racing team volta Ragnar, but was able to buy to get a formula ford get a van diemen race it show he was good and that you know doing well in formula ford got him a bmw contract for example and you know the idea of just sort of someone earning a relatively normal living being able to do what what you might call like even f4 is very expensive, proper F4. You could do Formula 4, 1600 racing at club level. I say relatively cheaply, but there's no such it's thing quite, as... It's cheap. quite pricey now. It, it's, still, it's still pricey. But kind of though, unless you've got that financial underpinning, that that's, I mean, we're getting into wider motorsport problems there, aren't we? So, that, so everyone's going to run into that. 
Yeah, the, the, it would be great if there were more scholarships for people who are low on financial resources to get into motorsport for entirely meritocratic ways. That doesn't have to be gender-specific. It's also good that W Series exists. Yeah, definitely. It's not. It's. I think the thing is people tend to forget that it's not just like the W Series, the organisation was sitting there with a load of money thinking, oh, what should we spend this on? And then come up with W Series. <laughs> the concept was conceived and over a period of time got back as in, launched, put together and, and made to work. And the selling point is that it's is that it's female drivers. And I guess that's the the irony, isn't it? It's a series that that aims to play a role in, for want of a better word, normalizing female participation. But its story and its sell is female participation because that's considered a little bit unusual. I think it's so. a, that's a really difficult kind of precipice to to navigate. I know that um I to speak personally, like I would rather it not like yeah, when I uh, yeah, I think it's it's a really difficult thing because you don't want anything to be tokenistic, but it gets you it gets you further. And so, yes, for all the times that I said that people are discouraging that, like, oh, but you're a girl, and it's discouraging. There are also times where it's like, oh, that's really cool. Actually, maybe that is interesting, and I will listen to what you say now because you obviously because you're that, and because it's so unusual, then you must know what you're doing. Um, so it is a really like. Positive discrimination, I think, is a very awkward thing, um, and it just depends which which side that you that you come down on. But you've got to, you've got to be on. pragmatic, haven't you? Yeah, that, exactly. That's the thing. And pragmatism means things aren't black and white necessarily. Yeah, you do there's something. a grey area that you have to somehow navigate. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it's an interesting argument to have. So overall, I think a completely interesting start. Hopefully, is having a positive impact. So, there's a sort of general thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And optimistic and curious thumbs up. It, yeah, it, that race left me wanting to see more of a few drivers in particular who had who had impressed on the way through, and that's exactly the same feeling I have from watching most motor races. I'm like, oh, that that that, uh, that person's done something quite interesting. There, I'd like to know more about the background, see what they do next. Um, the fact that if the the main social media complaint was all oh, these cars look a bit samey. And that's like the. Well, you could apply that to any genius yeah. thing to see <laughs> exactly. now, because they're all one make now. Yeah, but color-wise, if that if if we're more if like the the loudest criticism has been there are rather too many purple cars, then brilliant. That's that's my main criticism. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's that's, that's a success, and it's getting people talking. So yeah, interesting to see how it kind of settles down and whether it finds a. As you said, it's it's not a long-term series, so it doesn't necessarily need to find a permanent place in the world of motorsport in the ladder, but. It, it's got a it's got a good few years of being a, a, a being something that actually becomes a, an appealing destination series. And I guess as well, I'm just thinking something has occurred to me is obviously one of the reasons people don't start on the single seater ladder is because it's so difficult to progress. But I guess maybe if you're a aspiring F4 driver and you might think, oh, there's no chance of progressing, so what's the point? But you might think, well, actually, do do F4, do well. I mean, there's some former F4 drivers in that. In that, uh, that field, Kiyama, Mickey Kiyama was from, from Formula 4, if memory serves. Then you might think, well, actually, do that, do F4, do well. And then there maybe is that's a pathway to W Series. And it and so there's kind of a, a trickle-down yeah. effect lower down the order where you think, well, at least there's a next step, yeah. potentially. And it might be a dead end in itself, but... You tried it, so... Yeah, and at least it gives half there. a chance rather than just your prize. Let's say you go in and you win Formula 4 and you're in a, one of the National Formula 4 championships and your prize is then to find a vast sum of money to do F3. Oh, great. <laughs> then your prize for winning that could be find even more money <laughs> to do F2 unless you're picked up by a Red Bull or or who or whoever. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what the champion, which could very well be Jamie Chadwick, very much favourite, is able to kind of 
parlay success in this championship into, but we'll uh, we'll see over over the next uh, over the next twelve months. Well, thanks very much, Lucy Mawson and Matt Beer, for your insight. I should just say, actually, Matt, we did talk about the Autosport Academy. If anyone's listening to this is interested or knows someone who might be interested in a career in motorsport, you can have you can have twenty seconds just to pitch it and <laughs> tell them how, how would they find out more. Uh, firstly, be patient because we only open for new applicants once a year, and I literally have two hundred and seventeen emails I haven't yet replied to from people interested in the academy because um, being editor and running a school on the side is quite busy. Um, we'll probably. I haven't actually shared this with anyone yet, but it will be October this year when we re- when we reopen for applications. So um, keep an eye out on at A Sport Academy on Twitter, which is normally very quiet until we're open for applications, but deliberately so. Um, we'll let you know when the doors are opening again, and then it's a it's a scheme that gives you weekly online training classes, access to autosport journalists. Um, paid freelance commissions in racing paddocks and that can be done from home um, and it's generated Lucy when she starts on June the 3rd will be the 17th I think person we brought into a full-time staff job was a load looking out in the office there's countless ones there people who've been heard of this on this podcast Stephen Licorice I can see out there Jack Benyon yeah Alex does Scott Carl Mitchell August. count or was Scott, he, yeah Scott was the prototype academy uh, member it sort of started with him at the end of 2012 um Jack Cousins they're everywhere yeah absolutely um and you know you don't need you don't need a, de- a journalism degree. You don't need to be studying journalism. You just need to have um, talent, motorsport knowledge, and an enthusiasm for learning and a willingness to kind of bear with me when I take two weeks to reply to your email. <laughs> Trying the <laughs> two patience. weeks. That's quick for me at the moment. Actually, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you set the bar too high, but yeah, you said it now. It's there. It's, yeah. there. it's on record. <laughs> record yeah. exactly. But yeah, it is. It is a very positive thing, and it had a huge amount of, of talent coming through before. The academy existed it was always i remember always saying we know there's people out there but it's kind of potluck whether you find them a lot a lot of the time uh but this is a this is a great way to, to get people and obviously lucy is the one of the uh, one of the latest proteges shall we say but and, and age wise it's it's anything it, yeah. from kind of 18 ish uh, right? younger than that we start around i was 50. 16 yeah you were six, you, I was 16 yeah. I suppose. you just no you were not quite 17 i was just about to turn 17 yeah 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 annoyingly lucy was the first person in the academy who was born after I'd done my first autosport report, which when I discovered that on the first day was hideous. But That's a bit I'm surprised I'm still here based on <laughs> yeah. that revelation made on my first day. I thought that was yeah. it, to be honest. I turned up early when I was specifically told not to, yeah, and then I said that to early. man. I just thought, oh, it's over, isn't it, for me now? That's never good, is it? Whoops. Yeah. Don't, don't remind people of, uh, of their age. I'm, I'm dreading the day when uh, I think Kimi Räikkönen's the last Formula One driver who started racing Formula One before, just before I started. Oh, working I'm, in, in, I'm uh, for autosport by yeah. a few months, <laughs> like a month it would have been probably. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's never good to be confronted by your own uh, age, your own age and uh, impending decrepitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do check out autosport.com. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just moving swiftly on. Yeah, have a, have a look at autosport.com where you'll see various news stories by some of these uh, these hot young talents coming through through the Autosport Academy and some of the some of the older guard as well but Formula 1 WRC IndyCar the lot covered on there have a look at our plus subscriber area for all sorts of in-depth pieces by the world's best motorsport journalists for a small fee please check out sister titles motorsport.com F1 Racing Magazine out monthly and motorsport news out every Wednesday if you fancy a flutter download the Pit Stop Betting app thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another Autosport Podcast
Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Wendy's nose cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And all night. Until close. With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. Wendy's hot and crispy aren't like other fries. We're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's hot and crispy fries. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.